the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. We greet you in the middle of what will be a very short week of Bruce Hooley shows here on the Answer Network as tomorrow's our final day with Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday and we are off Friday. We have um, news in the world of wokeness in our local schools to share with you today. Um, sorry to say, Olentangy School District, you had your chance in the last school board election to elect two good conservatives. Instead, you did not. And now... Well, we'll flesh out uh, the consequences of that. But we start with uh, crime and tragedy, and I hope the tragedy does not become a crime because the um, events surrounding a horrific crash, one car crash last night in Marion, are horrible to contemplate. Anything that results in the death of two dot toddlers is horrible to compl- uh, contemplate, and we certainly hope this is an accident and not uh, not the intention. And I don't mean to imply that it is the intention. It's just, to me, it's just anything can happen when you're driving a vehicle. We all kind of put our minds on other things and we're, you know, engaging with thoughts and we've got to concentrate on what we're doing, particularly in the dark, particularly if you're on a strange road. And I don't know that this woman was, but the, she's driving her Honda van, um, at the intersection of Whetstone River Road and Roberts Road in Clarendon Township near Marion. And she drove right through the intersection without stopping. The uh, van careened off the left side of the road, hit a tree, went airborne off an embankment, landed on the bank of a small pond. It rolled into the pond, and water filled up the vehicle. Worst-case scenario, of course. She's in there with her seatbelt on, two toddlers in there with their seatbelts on, two other kids with their seatbelts on. And two of them died, and the other two are in the hospital with their mom. We have no names. I doubt I'd share the names with you if I did have them because, um, you know, an accident is worthy to know about, but it's not necessarily worthy to know the person, the family members, and those who loved uh, this woman and their, her kids certainly know. But, boy, uh, you think of that kind of, kind of searing tragedy around the holidays. It's very, very hard to deal with. And in that vein... Lovely Kendricks, the 15-year-old who was murdered outside Franklin Park on October the 10th. Her family is, of course, still uh, racked with grief over her passing. Uh, We do have an arrest in her murder. 18-year-old Roshan Adkins. So let's spin the clock back, shall we? Yesterday I was giving you headlines about two 21-year-old black kids charged with murder. Now we have an 18-year-old black youth charged with murder. The hopelessness in our inner cities is uh, palpable and so difficult to comprehend. Of course, the tragedy is that lovely Kendricks lost her life. She's a 15-year-old. She's vibrant, loved by her family, had a 
tremendous upside in life. And, you know, it's she was in the vicinity of, I don't know if involved in, I want to be sensitive to her final moments on earth, but she was in the vicinity of a fight between teenage girls. And Mr. Adkins is accused of firing a shot into that crowd of girls who were fighting around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The shot hit lovely Kendricks, and she died later that night. So he's in the Franklin County Jail, scheduled to appear in court today. So we do have someone in custody, but we still wait and hope that we'll eventually have arrests in the murders of Mackenzie Ridley, Squirt Gun Party, Far East Side of Columbus, well over a year ago, Olivia Kurtz, Dance Party, Bicentennial Park downtown, still no arrests in either one of those cases. And that's not the fault. That is not the fault of police. That is the fault of people who know and not coming forward and cooperating. Because here's the operative line in the story from NBC4i website. A witness stated they saw Roshan Adkins fire a gun into a crowd of several girls fighting near the park. A witness. A witness. There are witnesses. There are people who know these things. And the code of the street is not to cooperate with police. That is a code that has been ingrained subliminally, if not overtly, by the demonization of police in our community, by everyone who holds major office and has influence with our law enforcement officers. That list includes Andrew Ginther, the mayor, Zach Klein, the city law director, Shannon Harden, the city council president, every single member of city council, every single member of the police oversight review board, Chief LaShawna Potts, you know, Elaine Bryant, and assistant chief LaShawna Potts. Every single one of them is, as I said, subliminally or directly responsible for ingraining an attitude in the public that Columbus police are not to be trusted. That's what happened That's what happens when it takes over a year to clear the officer in the shooting death of Micaiah Bryant. That's what happens when it takes over a year to clear the officers who were shot at by a suspect who had a gun on him when the officers took him to St. Anne's Hospital in Westerville to hopefully get this person straight because he was having some kind of a drug reaction. When you take a year to clear police, when they are in clear accord with their training, you send the message to the community that police are not to be trusted and that any interaction you have with police is going to end badly. And that's why it is rare for something to happen that happened in this case with the deaths of lovely Kendricks, and that is that somebody in the community who knew who the shooter was or had information about the shooter came forward. Thankfully, they did in the case of lovely Kendricks. I hope they do in the case of of, uh, Olivia Kurtz and in the case of, um, am I drawing a blank? Mackenzie Ridley. Mackenzie Ridley. Okay, in August, we had a horrific crime in Butler County near Dayton. Uh, I think this guy's crazy. Stephen Marlowe, he had wild, wacko um, manifesto stuff on his computer, and he wigged out and senselessly brutally murdered four people, uh, an older couple and a mother and her 15-year-old daughter. Uh, he's charged with 12 counts of aggravated murder. He was in court uh, this morning, and the judge, thank you, judge, maintained his $10 million bond. This guy should not be out. 
Dangerous people should not be on the street. And we had to have a statewide initiative on the ballot to okay judges considering the danger that a criminal poses to society in order to put them behind bars. Now, I do fear, I'm glad that passed, I voted for it, but I do fear the day, depending upon who's in power, that that law will be used to keep people who are not dangerous behind bars simply because they are deemed to be dangerous because of their ideology. Because of their ideology. Need I point any further than the January 6th rioters? I have no doubt some of them are dangerous people, militia people. I'm going to give the government the benefit of the doubt that some of them are so dangerous they shouldn't be out on the street. But not all of them who have been in jail ever since they've been arrested merit being confined the way they are confined. So, you know, someday, I have no doubt, there will be people of certain religious persuasions, perhaps of certain uh, parental persuasions where they want to weigh in on something that, for instance, I'm going to share with you later that's happening in, an, in the Olentangy School District, and they will be deemed to be, you know what, they're they're getting very emotional at this school board meeting about this, that, and the other related to ideologies that we as a government approve of under the umbrellas of diversity, equity, and inclusion. They're very dangerous, and maybe it would be safer for all of society if we just lock them away now before they do something. Will they be able to find a judge who will deem them dangerous enough to set a high bail? Yes, of course they will. You know they will. So they are asking for the death penalty in the case of Stephen Marlowe, the shooter, the killer of four people in Butler County. The prosecutor in Montgomery County, Matt Heck, says the death penalty is not something we ask for in many cases at all. The death penalty should be reserved for the most horrific and shocking crimes. This case certainly meets that criteria. It's the first time they've asked for the death penalty in Montgomery County since 2017. Since 2017. When was the when was the Oregon District shooting? Or was that shooter shot and killed? I don't remember. And that's a shame that we have a shooting, so many mass shootings in our country that we can't keep straight what's happened to the people who commit them. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. Joe Biden has a present for you. The threat of a looming rail strike. You say, wait a minute. No, he's not a threat of a looming rail strike. Are you crazy? I remember watching Joe Biden and Scott Pelley on 60 Minutes. It can't be a rail strike. You have just averted a nationwide railroad strike that would have been crippling to the economy. How did you do that? We brought business and labor together. If, in fact, they had gone on strike, the supply chains in this country would have come to a screeching halt. We would have seen a real economic crisis. A real economic crisis, not a fake economic crisis like generational inflation, astronomical gas prices ongoing supply chain issues, a real economic crisis. What would that look like? Well, we'll have the details on the looming rail strike that hmm, I thought Joe Biden was a friend of unions. Well, you remember the midterm elections, right? A week ago? Two weeks ago. No, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. By the way, we have just in... Breaking news from California, they're starting to get close to finishing their vote count for like 
four or five House districts two weeks after the midterms. Hey, dude, chill. We'll get them accounted eventually, bro. Yeah. Uh, Republicans are winning those districts that have been, uh, I guess, waiting for mail-in ballots to come in or something. Anyway, back in September, we were told by the Biden administration that they had averted the threat of a nationwide rail strike. Here's the headline. U.S. News and World Report, September the 15th. Biden announces deal to avert rail strike. Oh, it's a very consequential deal. The day before a rail strike deadline that put the nation's economy and political fortunes of national Democrats in the balance, the White House early Thursday morning announced a tentative deal, ooh, tentative deal, to keep the country's trains running. The deal, which still must be approved by member rail unions, ah, there's the fly in the ointment. Or the, well, the fly in the ointment. We'll stick with that. Now, why would that have been averted in September? Well, imagine what would have happened if the supply chains of our country would have been brought to a halt by a nationwide rail strike. We couldn't ship oil to refineries to be turned into gas. Gas prices would have gone up. We can't ship goods to... Big warehouses where trucks pick them up and distribute them to stores, that would have been food shortages. And what happens when you have a shortage of something? Oh, the price goes up. And what happens to inflation numbers when the price goes up? It goes up. Inflation goes up. So the president and his party needed to avert a nationwide rail strike in September. Otherwise, they would have been held accountable for it in the midterm elections. And I told you at the time that the whole rail strike thing was a concoction of Democrats to make a feckless, impotent president look competent. You'll recall that the rail strike loomed its ugly head because federal mediators walked away from the negotiations in the summertime. Now, why would federal mediators, knowing that Democrats need to have a deal, with the rail unions, why would they walk away from negotiations in the summertime? Because then it seems like a rail strike is imminent, and if the White House swoops in at the last minute and Joe Biden calls in all the favors that he has from giving perks and other under-the-table and over-the-table payments to unions over the years, then Joe Biden can look like a hero right before the midterms. Except, here's the problem in dealing with unions. They have the last word. And now that they've averted a nationwide rail strike, and now that the Democrats have averted disaster in the midterms, well, guess who has leverage? Guess who has leverage? Oh, the rail unions have leverage. And they've decided, apparently, that the immediate wage increase that the tentative deal gave them A 14% wage increase. Have you gotten a 14% wage increase this year? No, I haven't either. With pay hikes totaling 24% over the next five years, has your salary gone up 25%, 24% in the last five years? Me neither. The deal in September 
was said to be the biggest general wage increase over the life of the rail union's agreement in a half a century. The union said that. The union said their agreement had been the highest wage hike in a half a century, and they've turned it down. Why? Because they have leverage and because they can get more. And so they're now threatening a strike in advance of Christmas. The deadline to strike is like December the 7th, okay? So here we are. Joe Biden has gotten what he wanted, and now the rail unions are like, you know what? I bet the old dude like might give us even more because if we go on strike and prices go up and inflation skyrocks 9 10 11%, then we'll get what we want. So four of the 12 unions that have to agree to this deal have said no to it. And if they don't reach a deal by December the 9th, all 12 unions strike. All 12. Not just the four who don't agree. All 12. They're kind of like NATO. Okay? Like, if one union doesn't agree, they all go out. So I can't tell at this point in time if this is another idle threat made to, well, you know, look, we milked it for all it was worth politically once. Why not do it again? Let's make Joe Biden a hero in mid-September. And hey, if we get another bite of the apple and we can make him a hero in early December... Go for it. Go for it. It might be that, or it might be that they realize this guy needs us. He needs us bad. And what we said we would take, we don't really have to settle and take that. Now we've really got him over a barrel. So we'll see. We'll see. I have no doubt that I never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to screw things up. Never, 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 never. Yes, Alan Rogers is sitting in today, and I agree with you. I tried to find that, what you suggested to me, is they also got like a big fat bonus. That was what they were supposed to get, a big fat bonus check yeah, five, for signing the deal. 5000 5000 bucks. yeah. Not good enough. Why get five if you can get six or seven or eight? Ten. Or ten, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where it's going, but it's, again, I never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to screw something up. Uh, here's uh, his... Uh, Groundbreaking, glass ceiling shattering press secretary Corinne Jean Pierre on the president's position on the rail strike. As the president has said from the beginning, a shutdown is unacceptable. Oh. We continue to urge both sides to, to finish their work in good faith and avoid even the threat of a shutdown, as mm. we've been saying. Too uh, late. But like we do for all issues, our team is preparing and planning for all possible outcomes, even as we continue to work uh, to avert a shutdown. Oh, well, that's good. Uh, a threat. Aren't we too late for that? She said the threat of a shutdown is unacceptable. Aren't we already there? I mean, they're writing about it in every every major news service. They're writing about the threat of a shutdown. So um, I think maybe it's too late for that. But we'll see. Uh, Joe Biden's on the case. After he watches, I don't know, what time is it? It's 11.28? I think Mannix is on in two minutes. Mannix or Cannon or something. Yeah. We'll get to it after that. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.